the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. the Nick D Podcast. How are you? My name is Nick DiGilio. I am your host. Nick D Podcast here on Radio Misfits Podcast Network, the greatest podcast network in the world, where you can find incredible podcasts of varying content, very entertaining and informative and funny, just amazing podcasts that you can not only find at RadioMisfits.com, but you can find broadcasting and streaming 24-7 on our streaming service, which is like a radio station, only cooler, and it goes 24-7 at radiomisfits.live. It's live, man. You hear unheard bands that have been unsigned, that kind of great music, and a bunch of really amazing podcasts uh, and episodes from this network constantly, 24 hours a day, being broadcast. It is a streaming service of biblical proportion that you should check out immediately. And uh, you can check it out at radiomisfits.live. You can hear this podcast, the Nick D Podcast, daily at 3 p.m. Central. And you can hear my other podcast, the Saturday Night Live podcast that I do. That show hasn't been funny in years. You can hear that daily at 9 a.m. So that show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast, 9 a.m. daily. And the Nick D Podcast, 3 p.m. daily on the best streaming service ever, radiomisfits.live, where you can hear incredible unheard music and incredible episodes of great podcasts. Stuff's happening at Radio Misfits, and you should be a part of it. You should also be a sponsor. You should be a sponsor on this podcast right here, which reaches a lot of people. You want to advertise with us? You should. It'll be a good thing for you and for everybody in the world. So check us out. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Say, I want to advertise on the Nick D Podcast. Let's get to it. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast on a regular basis in any for any capacity and any reason? 24-7, our voicemail system is open. We want to hear from you. We encourage you to call us and talk to us and tell us and leave us comments and questions for the regular guests and anything else. You got a megaphone message that you want to request because we do crazy requests for the megaphone message. Anything you want me to say or recite or play into the megaphone, I'll do it. We love it. Everybody loves it. So anything you want to say or do or be a part of with this podcast, here you go. 773-417-6948. Call us anytime you want. Drop us an email anytime with your thoughts and your comments at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the sound and the weird stuff and the fun stuff and the songs and the themes. And Ed is my main man at Radio Misfits. He does everything else. He's the man. So we thank you for checking us out. And we do hope you check out our streaming service at radiomisfits.live. Episode 156, that's what this is. It is that time. It's a Friday, and every other Friday, Eric Childress and C. Procopi, my buddies uh, who are film critics and members of the Chicago Film Critic Association, join me to review all the new movies. Lots of big movies to talk about for this weekend. Uh, and then Esmeralda Leon uh, joins me, as she does all the time. We got a bunch of great stuff we're going to be talking about. We again, uh, again, we have a magic megaphone request that we will be uh, taking care of. Plus, we're going to talk about uh, great celebrity answers to dumb questions and much, much more. And we always just kind of like to have fun and, you know, shoot the shit. And that's what me and Esmeralda do, and we have a great time. Speaking of being Esmeralda, we are going to be live 
at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. We did it last year, and we had a great crowd and had a great time. It's going to be even bigger and even better this year. Last year, PJ Souls from Halloween was on stage with us. Rich Coase, the great Sven Gulli, joined us. This year, we have a bunch of surprise celebrity guests who are going to jump up on stage with us, including a guy uh, who might or might not be from Berwyn, who we had last year. It's probably going to happen, so you should be there. And it's going to be part of what is always the best weekend of the year, the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. Bunch of celebrities, a bunch of stars, actors, actresses, vendors in a room full of unbelievable merchandise that you can buy that is horror, sci-fi, comic related. It's an amazing, amazing convention that I've been a part of for 21 years since the beginning. I'm a host. I am an interviewer, a moderator. Uh, I just, in general, I'm a coordinator. I run around the whole play. I'm there all weekend long doing great stuff on stage and in the vendor room and introducing people and doing Q&As with celebrities. It's the highlight of the year as far as I'm concerned. And uh, for uh, the second year in a row, Mike and Mia, who run the Flashback Convention, are letting me get on stage in the main ballroom on Saturday afternoon, August 5th at 1230. And I will be hosting the Nick D podcast live at the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. We had a blast last year. We recorded it. If you want to be a part of a live podcast recording, if you want to win some prizes, if you want to hang out with a bunch of really incredible, cool people, my horror tribe, be out there. We're going to have some great surprise guests that I can't reveal right now. But me, Esmeralda, on stage, will be there at 1230 on Saturday, August 5th, in the main ballroom at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, right there off the expressway. It's really easy to get to. Uh, the whole weekend, August 4th through the 6th, there's incredible events, incredible stuff. There's concerts with Alan Howarth, who was uh, a composer who worked with John Carpenter. He's going to be doing a concert. Sven Gulli is going to be there. Not only is Sven Gulli going to be there, but Joe Bob Briggs, the drive-in god, is going to be with Darcy the Mar- Mail Girl. They're going to be together doing a show together on the same stage, which is legendary. That'll be Friday night. The Alan Howarth concert is Saturday night. And then celebrities and guests out the yin-yang. We have a... Um, a reunion of the cast of Bullies from John Carpenter's Christine. The actual car, the Christine car, is going to be there. A reunion of a whole bunch of people from Scream, including um, Rose McGowan and Jamie Kennedy and Skeet Ulrich. Uh, there's a big reunion of the two Terrifier movies with Art the Clown, who's going to be there in full makeup. And tons of other amazing celebrities from the Halloween movies and from other movies in general, from Barbarian. A bunch of great, amazing celebrities are going to be there. And you should be there. It's the best weekend of the year. You can get tickets at flashbackweekend.com. Hotel rooms are at Hyatt Regency uh, at O'Hare. And we will be there doing our live podcast, giving away really cool prizes and hanging out with celebrities and talking to you. We talk with the audience, talk about scary stuff, the scariest movies you've ever seen, your first memories of horror. We have a lot of fun with that. We record all of it. You'll be a part of a podcast that will drop nationwide the next day. So be a part of the live podcast. Come and meet me and Esmeralda, take pictures and hang out. It'll be really, really cool. And all the other really cool surprises that are happening. I urge you, and I tell you, it is going to be a magnificent time. Let's pack that ballroom. Let's have it shoulder to shoulder, head to head, loaded in that ballroom, the big ballroom. Hyatt Regency O'Hare, Chicago. August 5th at 1230 in the afternoon, the Nick D podcast broadcast live from the Flashback Weekend Horror Convention. Get your tickets now and be there. Let's pack the place. I want the Nick D fans to be there in force and have a great time, man. Get celebrity pictures and photo ops and autographs and buy a bunch of really incredible merchandise. And It's just unbelievable. And the Hyatt's one of the greatest hotels in the world. It's a spectacular weekend, and it's capped off by a spectacular live podcast hosted by me and Esmeralda, and you will be there too. Saturday, 1230 in the afternoon on August 5th. Flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now. 
it's going to be a blast. All right. Uh, so uh, Steve Procopi, by the way, who's going to be reviewing movies in just a second with Eric Childress, he is uh, my partner and co-hosting. If not, uh, if if I'm not on stage doing the uh, interviewing or the moderating or the introductions, it's Steve. Steve and I basically run the joint. So if you want to meet Steve Procopi, who you'll hear in a couple of seconds, he will also be there the entire weekend. So flashbackweekend.com. Get your tickets now for the best weekend in horror fans. You got to be there. And check us out on Saturday, August 5th at 1230. Get those tickets now. All right. Uh, movie reviews. That's what's coming up right now, right after I say hello to my lovely uh, friend. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. Hi, baby. I'm Carrie Russell, I know. and I love Nick's show. She's going to miss me on that weekend, August 4th through the 6th. She'll be out on the back porch. Nobody will be here. Hi, I'm, I'm sorry. Carrie I'm Russell, sorry. and I love Nick's show. All right, maybe I'll bring her along. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> All right, congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jack-off. right that theme uh, means only one thing uh that means it's time for movie reviews eric children's steve procopio have been contributing to my show for many many years uh eric especially for a very long time uh has been a part of my radio, old radio show and now the podcast these guys have been a part of the podcast since the beginning and every other friday we review the new movies and talk movies in general and that's what we're going to do right now so let's uh, say hello first to uh eric children's hello eric hello hello uh and we should uh, note that if you hear noise in the background um, in Eric's neighborhood right now, the lawn the lawn patrol is out and they're cutting lawns and blowing yeah, my leaves. My favorite comic book group, all kinds the of lawn that. patrol. Yeah, the lawn patrol, exactly right. Okay, um, and then uh, and there's uh, Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. Hello. All right, let's begin with uh, Eric. Tell everybody where they can, outside of this podcast, where they can hear you and see you and read your stuff and all that. Well, outside of this podcast, there are two other podcasts you, you can hear me on. Uh, one of them, the Movie Madness podcast, uh, available with the Now Playing Network. Uh, Steve Procopi is a regular uh, weekly guest talking movies, as well as Peter Subzinski talking Blu-rays. Uh, and then the Friendship Dilemma that I co-host with Morgan Geyer, also available on the Now Playing Network, where we look at male and female friendships in the movies and why they can't just be friendships. Uh, and I write a box office column every Sunday for Rotten Tomatoes. All right, there you go. Eric is keeping busy. And uh, and also, uh, Steve Procopi, where can everybody see and read and all, all that stuff? Uh, in addition to the Movie Madness podcast with Eric, I'm also at thirdcoastreview.com. For, that's where you can read the print reviews and interviews. And then uh, I spend a great deal of time in my... I, it's not really a day job, I guess, but another job the, at the Music Box Theater as their PR manager. All right. All right. And the Music Box I'll be there has, a lot next week. Yes. <laughs> next <laughs> next week, uh, the Music Box is having its uh, annual 70 millimeter uh, festival, um, which is a, it's a little bit shorter this year um, and with less titles. There are only four titles this year. Normally, there are many more titles and it lasts a little bit longer, but. This is a truncated version of the 70 millimeter fest, but it's leading up to your big 70 millimeter opening of the the Christopher Nolan thing, the uh, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what's building up to it, and you're you're showing a Christopher Nolan 
uh, movie in 70 as right. a build up, as a build up to the opening of Oppenheimer. Uh, so right. it's a little bit different this year, but you're still doing, you still got the big screen out. You still got the 70 millimeter projector. You still got the 70 millimeter prints. So you're showing four movies. When does it start and what movies are you showing and when can people see that stuff? Uh, it goes July 13th uh, through the 19th, which is a Thursday to Wednesday. And then, yeah, these are actually all prints that have been struck for the first time within the last three years. So they're not all new movies, but they're all new prints and they're all director approved prints. Um, all but one of them has never screened at the music box before. Um, and so, yeah, so we're playing uh, Babylon, which uh, I believe there were prints, but like a couple 70 prints in the world, but just not in Chicago last at the end of last year. Uh, we're playing Nope, which we were literally going to build our entire 70 fest around last year because we assumed that since it was shot in 65, we were going to get a 70 print, but then 70 prints weren't made until the end of last year for award season. And we didn't get one of those, but we got it now. Uh, Inception, which was the only film of, of this bunch that we have played before, but it was right as we were coming out of the pandemic, right before we opened Tenet um, three years ago. And then... Um, so we have played that, but there were only when we could sit 50 people at a time in the theater. So really nobody went to see, nobody got to see it. Uh, and then the big, uh, to me, the, you know, the, the one that matters the most, we, we finally got a 70 print of Boogie Nights, which has not existed until recently. That's, that might be the newest of the bunch. Um, I, I don't know if we're the first to play it, but we're, uh, certainly one of the first, I think technically this falls, well, I'm trying to think, does this fall? I guess it, I think it was made in the in honor of the 25th anniversary last year. So, uh, but we, we're just getting our hands on it now. So I'm very excited for that one. Yeah. The last time I saw, uh, Boogie Nights, well, not the last time I saw it. Cause the last time I saw it was on my television, not too long ago, <laughs> but the last time I saw it on the big screen was at the music box when the Chicago film critics showed it mm -hmm. uh, in 35 last year. Right. For the, right. uh, for the big, uh, 25th anniversary. Uh, Jesus Christ. That's, I'm old. Uh, 25th <laughs> anniversary of Boogie Nights. So Boogie Nights on 70, Nope, um, um, uh, Inception, and uh, Babylon all on 70. Yeah. And uh, so so the so only movie the only movie we're playing on the 13th, the opening day, is Boogie Nights. And that is, I will say, in danger of selling out. So if you right. want to see it, it's playing other times. But, um, but if you want to see it like on that opening night, yes, definitely go uh, get your tickets now. So tickets for uh, for those movies are on sale now, um, mm -hmm. and uh, you can actually get tickets for Oppenheimer too. Your, your tickets have mm -hmm. gone on sale, and, and those those are selling pretty swiftly as well. Correct. I, I think again, the opening night of that on the twentieth of July, it, there's two shows, and they're both going to sell out for sure. Okay, so for sure. You, you want to jump on the seventy millimeter bandwagon, and you should. Those four movies are on sale now. You can check out musicboxtheater.com for uh, all the information, and if you want to get uh, those tickets early. For the uh, Christopher, the new Christopher Nolan movie, Oppenheimer, which uh, technically opens well on the twentieth, but technically the twenty-first is the big opening nationwide, and worldwide, uh, for that movie. Which, if you don't see it in seventy millimeter, you can see it in IMAX because a lot of it was shot with IMAX cameras, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and you know in the multiplexes you can see it on the biggest screens uh, available, which is usually uh, what you should do when you see a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, anyway. <laughs> Because he shoots most of that stuff in 65 or in, uh, for IMAX screens uh, as well. So that's out there. Um, yeah, I'm going on the 16th, sun Sunday the 16th, mm -hmm. uh, because you're showing um, 
though the three movies that I care about because <laughs> nope is nope is not being shown that day. So uh, the other ones you're showing uh, that day. And if you want to get three of them out of, the, if you want to spend a bunch of hours at the Music Box Theater watching three movies in seventy millimeter, that's what I'm doing on the sixteenth because uh, it's Babylon, Inception, Boogie Nights, uh, back to back to back on that Sunday. So I'm spending the entire day watching seventy three seventy millimeter movies. Um, and so that should be that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I should say two movies, considering Babylon and Boogie Nights are the same movie. But uh, never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> nope. It never gets never old. Never not it's, true either. And it's never not true. So there you go. Yep. Um, anyway, and I like Babylon. I liked it, especially the first like uh, hour and a half. I think it's spectacular, and uh, it'll be fun to see it in seventy. That'll be fun, especially that first hour and a half, man. Amazing. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, never gets old. Never is not true. So there you go. 70 millimeter fest <laughs> tickets are on sale right now. Musicboxtheater.com. Again, leading up to the big opening of um, uh, Barbie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just thinking personally. Uh, Oppenheimer, <laughs> which opens on the same day. So uh, 70 millimeter fest at the music box. All right. Uh, we got some uh, new ones to uh, review here. One of them, all three of us is going to review. Uh, one of them, Steve and I is going to review. Is going to review. I know my English very well. Uh, and then the last one uh, is the Mission Impossible movie, which I have not seen, but Eric and Steve have. I've not seen it because I went to go see a uh, a, a different screening. Uh, in fact, I will be I will be uh, I will be watching uh, Mission Impossible uh, in a few hours, just a few hours from now. I'll be watching it, uh, but I have not seen it. So you guys are going to review that. But first, let's start with one that we've all seen. Why don't we just make it a whole communal thing? Uh, this one is not in movie theaters. It is exclusively on Netflix, and it's a new music documentary about the band Wham, uh, which had uh, shockingly uh, a four-year career. <laughs> That's how long only Wham was year. around. Only, only yeah. four years. Yeah. Only four years. Yeah. It seems it seems longer, but it was only four years. And in that four years, they accomplished uh, quite a lot. And this is a documentary um, that is on Netflix now. It dropped yesterday. And you can watch it this weekend, brand new. And the three of us have seen it. So, Eric, tell us about the new Wham! documentary for Netflix. Well, anyone who lived through the 80s certainly uh, has not forgotten the group Wham! Uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, the two of them. Uh, And this new documentary uh, from uh, Chris Smith, uh, who did American Movie, uh, Fire, about the infamous uh, Fire uh, Music Festival and Operation Varsity Blues, the college admission scandal documentary, uh, really takes the approach of letting these two guys tell their own story. Now, obviously, George Michael is not with us anymore, but the film basically utilizes a lot of uh, unheard audio uh, and tapes and interviews and things that uh, have been out there uh, over the years. And we get to hear this story told from the point of view of George and Andrew and what the, they, they went through during these these several years together. Uh, the film, the, the group ostensibly began when the two of them basically sat next to each other in school. They both shared uh, a great love of music, and next thing you know, they were writing songs together and doing very uh, nifty dance moves uh, on television shows uh, with their their two female uh, partners. Uh, one of them being uh, Andrew's girlfriend at the time, uh, and uh, you know what seemingly. Th- is a very quick rise for by most music standards there's definitely the uh the anxiety of whether or not they're actually any good or whether or not they're going to be noticed uh they eventually get themselves on uh television uh which sparks a sort of a huge uh influx of uh, interest in their music and uh, over the course of these four years 
it just seems like i mean every song that you hear in this movie is just hit after hit after hit uh even if they weren't all number ones you certainly remember playing them on the radio and in, in, in all sorts of venues movies use them uh and uh and of course uh, we get a, you know, a little bit of the background when uh, George Michael reveals to his friend that he's gay. Uh, he obviously, at the time, nobody knew that outside of, of the group. And he was, George Michael was this huge sex symbol. Everyone remembers the jeans and the ass shaking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he was definitely one of those guys in the 1980s, but nobody was aware that women were not completely his bag. So... Uh, as this movie goes on, uh, it, it really, you know, like uh, Stephen Nick just mentioned, it's a four-year run of these guys. And it basically sort of ends with the point where George Michael realizes that he ha has the, the, the possibility of doing this solo career and he, his talent uh, might extend further beyond this group. And in most music documentaries, this is the point where there's friction and trouble and jealousy and all these kind of things. But the band just basically ended by Andrew Ridgely going, yeah, I'm okay with it. Go for it. Uh, and <laughs> that's pretty much it. So uh, if Wham! does come off with a sort of a lack of drama uh, in sort of your standard behind the music type uh, deal, uh, you know, that's you know, generally okay. I'm, 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 I just recently was talking with someone about the idea that can something just be nice? Can something just be happy and enjoyable and uh, just something you really respond to? And that's really the, the, the documentary kind of follows the pattern of the music that they created, that there was a lot of really big poppy hits. There was some soulful stuff uh, in the middle of that. Uh, and this documentary kind of captures that sort of same spirit because there's really nothing but love between the two of these guys. And uh, even when you know, George came out as gay, Andrew was just like, hey, I'm, I'm with you, brother. I support you. Uh, so there's not a lot of that going on. As far as the music is concerned, I was kind of disappointed that there's there is no sort of outside... Uh, and anyone really discussing the sort of the creation of the music, that's something I always look for in music documentaries, particularly when you're covering entire careers, where some of these songs came from. There's, there's obviously there's a kind of a funny anecdote about Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, but that's really about it. So if you're looking for something to really get into the creation of the music, this documentary really isn't it. But uh, as a story of a friendship and as a sort of a, a nostalgia piece that you're all going to be tapping your toes to, uh, Wham! mostly works on that level. I don't think that, that this is going to rank with some of the great music documentaries, but as a fun, happy reminder that these two guys, in a, for a moment in time, uh, got to a place that just really it gave us enjoyment for a few years and obviously for many years afterwards, uh, it, Wham! is uh, worth looking at. Okay. All right, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, even even if you, I think uh, Nick, at least you and I saw that Freedom Uncut thing a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago that was just yeah. about George Michael, which is phenomenal, phenomenal, and, phenomenal, and it, and it does yeah. cover this period. But I mean, this really dives into stuff that isn't even broached in that in that thing. And I I got to give it credit for, I mean, Eric sort of hinted at that this was this was a like a partnership, a friendship, and. It's weird because it's very clear that Wham and George Michael would never have happened were it not for Andrew Ridgely. And he he was kind of the outgoing guy. He and he was the one who always pushed his friend up. His friend like George was shy. He was, um, you know, and, and he pushed him up both as a performer and a songwriter. 
to the point where he pushed him out of the nest, basically. And um, and I think that's a really and, and willingly so there's no doesn't seem to be any resentment as much as the press kind of tried to get this to be a feud when they were close to breaking up. And and I'll even go so far as to say that I think after the second album of three, um, they knew that George was was well on his way to the solo career. There's a whole section of the film that deals with the creation of of Careless Whisper that I, I found maybe the most fascinating part of the thing because it's a song they wrote as a demo together and then it, but it ends up getting released as a George solo song. I mean, Andrew got writing credit, but he's not, you know, he, it was a, it was a George Michael's first solo song and that was kind of the beginning of the end. And um, I love that they were able to get a farewell concert together um, because I wish someone would, remaster and release that i'd yeah. love to see that me too on man. a big screen <laughs> jesus that looked yeah. like fun yeah. and yeah. um and just you know it they played everything um they're you know they're actually at my biggest complaint my only real complaint with the film is that it's not longer it's only 90 minutes this could and to eric's point they there are some parts of this that feel like they're kind of rushing through there's this whole like they a big big deal was that they were the first western pop band to go to china and and, and they spend a fairly decent amount of time on that. But in a 90 minute documentary, you just kind of have to keep going, going, going. But I think that's like, that's a big deal event. <laughs> like, so, um, but yeah, it, but you know, I, and even the amicable, amicable breakup, um, I wish they had spent a little more time talking about, um, because I'm sure there were still, even though Andrew was behind it, I wish, I, I feel like there's more. And I think some of the interviews with Ridgely are newer, um, obviously, I mean, they did so many interviews in their career that you, they basically narrate this thing, which is, I always love when that's the, the sort of fallback. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I give lots of credit to Chris Smith, who also, I should say, did that movie senior that, uh, was that last year or the year before the Robert Downey senior movie? Last year. Um, yeah. Last, last year, year. Yeah. That he yeah, did that. Yeah. He did Tiger King too. Like yeah, yeah. The guy's done a bunch of really yeah. great he did that one about the Jim Carrey and Andrew or and, uh, Andy Kaufman. So, yeah, I mean, like he's he's a phenomenal filmmaker and and but also makes like makes these very trendy um, subject matters sometimes like kind of kind of dig into the he doesn't he's not afraid to like dig into them a little bit and I I think that's the case here. So, yeah, I I, I adored this movie. This movie's terrific. I like it too. And some of the stuff that you guys were both talking about, the, the limited thing is, I, I really think that, you know, like going into more detail about the breakup, I think um, is because they probably didn't have enough audio from George Michael. George Michael died seven years ago. Um, so I think they, if they were going to continue to get a little bit deeper into the breakup, um, my, my, my first instinct is that they didn't have the audio from George Michael to do so. Um, because like it's, it's give and take the whole time, the entire, all the voiceovers are, it's equal, it's equal to vocal time between George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Um, and I think if there is a lack of coverage of certain things, I think it's probably because they didn't have audio from George Michael and they clearly couldn't go back, you know, uh, to the source and get that. That's what I think at least, uh, because it seems to me like they did cover certain things, you know, uh, uh, in much more detail than other things. And I think the lack of detail in other departments, I think almost has everything to do with the fact that one of the subjects has passed away. Um, certain things about it. Now, again, it's a terrific documentary and it is, it's, it, I mean, the focus of this movie is very, very strictly that friendship 
That's what this movie's about. It's not about anything else. If you want, a, you know, you want to hear George Michael's entire story, you want to hear the story about what happened afterwards and what an incredible, phenomenal uh, solo success he had and the, and the amazing shit that he did after Wham!, you got to watch that, uh, the, the, the documentary from, uh, from last year, the George Michael uh, uh, Uncut documentary, which is amazing. Um, but this is strictly about, like, these two guys meet, this is their relationship, and this is what happens, and this is when Wham! stops. That's it. There's nothing else about about it. Now, in that uh-huh. time, they do touch upon some amazing shit. Like, for instance, um, I remember their Top of the Pop uh, appearance. I totally remember that. I remember watching because I was I loved I loved Wham when when the first album came out. I remember a senior in high school in the first when uh, when Wham, they were called Wham UK in America by the way uh, when they first came out. <laughs> and I remember when when um, Young Guns came out. I was like, God damn, these guys rule. And I, and I remember my old friend Joe. Hey, listen, he used to. We just went nuts over these guys, and and they kept rebroadcasting um, the top of the pop thing. And they appeared on this British new wave tv show that used to be on channel 50 here in chicago and it was called uh it was uh mv3 and it was kind of for those people who didn't have cable who couldn't afford cable in the in the early 80s or couldn't or wasn't in their area like like me we used to have mv3 which was hosted by a british guy named richard blade who appears in this movie like seven or eight times on tv shows introducing them so i remember all of that and they go in behind the scenes of the time and how big that top of the pop thing was and the fact that they were like a a last minute fill-in Mm-hmm. Um, and that they were, you know, like to describe how George Michael had to sleep in a crib the night before and all this stuff, like all of the, all those details I just loved. And I happen to be, by the way, for people, I just, should, I should preface this. I'm a huge George Michael fan. I love him and I love Wham. So anyway, so there was a lot of stuff in here. Now you mentioned Careless Whisper. Careless Whisper was a song that he, they, that they, they brought together, but he took hold of. And I love the whole section, which by the way, is not really covered in detail or as much detail in the George Michael thing where he went to Muscle Shoals. And recorded that song with these legendary, you know, rhythm and blues producers and musicians. And then he brought it back and went, nah, I don't like it. I'm going to produce it myself. <laughs> I mean, this is working with these legends at Muscle, Muscle, Muscle Shoals. And then the result of Careless Whisper, which they mentioned in the, in the movie, was billed in America as Wham! featuring George Michael. <laughs> right. But in Britain, since they had broken out already, it was a George Michael solo record. And I remember when that record came out, I'm like, why does it say featuring? I remember, you know, because I had the album, and I remember, why is it featuring George Michael? But that was the first technical solo record. And how it took off from there and how he came out from behind the scenes and started producing. And all of that stuff is, is handled beautifully in it. Um, and there are, there are so many uh, other like really wonderful moments um, in the movie. I love the fact that for a while it's kind of standard, like, uh, you know, chronological order. You know, we meet in high school uh, or middle school and, you know, we're friends and blah, blah, blah. They go through that. But then right when the story about... Um, uh, when they're doing the uh, Tropicana song, um, and that's the week that George came out to Andrew Ridgely. They were ni- he was 19 on the verge of 20 when he came out to, to Ridgely. And, um, and then suddenly the movie stops and goes back in time and starts talking about the relationship between George Michael and his father, which was not brought up mm-hmm. in the first half of the movie. So I thought that that was an interesting strategy on Smith's part was to suddenly go, okay, here's the moment where George came out. Now we're going to go back to his relationship with his father. And I thought that was a really fascinating way to make the movie become suddenly a lot more deep than it was at that point. You know what I mean? Like they, they dove into this personal story 
Um, at a time I didn't think they could have done it chronologically, but they didn't. They did it at the point in the story where he came out. And I thought that was an interesting way. And they do it again later in the movie where they pop back into the into time, which I thought was interesting. Um, only complaints that I have are um, as much as I, you know, as much as I know that George Michael was like, in, you know, and Andrew Ridgely were in charge. And I love the fact that they that they give Andrew Ridgely the credit that he so richly deserves mm-hmm. in, cre- in creating that band. You know what I mean? Because and he never went, he never said anything bad about George Michael. He never was whenever when George Michael took off clearly and became the star of that band. Andrew Ridgely was nothing but supportive. And I love the fact that this movie says, look, and like you said, you guys both said, there'd be no wham without Andrew Ridgely. And, and quite frankly, there'd be no George Michael without the insistence and push of Andrew Ridgely and that friendship. And I'm glad that that is a main part of the movie. But there are people that are ignored in the movie, particularly a guy named Dion Estes. Dion Estes uh, was the bass player for Wham and also uh, toured with George and, and played on his records, his first two solo albums. He, was in a, he passed away in 2021. He just died uh, three years, two years ago. Hmm. Um, and he plays, he plays bass on all the, all the big Wham hits. He toured with them. He was great friends with them. George produced the two solo records that Dion Estes made, and they're great, and he appears on two of the songs, and they're both great. I want, And you only get to see Dion Estes like you see glimpses of him. He doesn't even speak. And there are other members of the band, like the drummers and things like that, that don't really get to mention. The two girls get mentioned because that's the image yeah. that they were that's the image that they were packaging at the beginning. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to be the human league at one point. And, and so <laughs> so they did that. And that was cool. But like I think especially ignoring Dion Estes was kind of a misstep. Um, and I know he died, and so maybe they didn't get any audio of him talking or stuff like that. But there's footage of him, and they could have d- d- dove into that a little bit, uh, a little bit more. But again, I understand because it was, this was entirely about that relationship between Ridgely and George Michael. And I think, it's a, I think it's a terrific movie. And listen, if you're a Wham fan, it's a must-see. It's an absolute must-see and, uh, and great stuff. So, and, yeah, I, and, and Steve, yes, I want to see that concert. I've seen footage of it. But yeah. I want to see that final concert at Wembley. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, so anyway. All right, so Wham, that's the name of the documentary. Easy to remember, and it's on uh, Netflix mm-hmm. now. Okay. Cool. We all like that one. All right. Steve will tell us about, because uh, Eric, you've not seen it yet. Right. Uh, and this is a new, another raunchy comedy. The last time we talked, we talked about a raunchy comedy. That one with Jennifer Lawrence. And this one with um, a group of uh, Asian actresses. Um, and it is, it falls under that raunchy uh, comedy uh, uh, emblem. And it's called Joyride. So Steve, tell us about Joyride. Yeah, I, I kind of like this trend where the, this, with like with no hard feelings and i i believe also I, eric you've seen bottoms right or have you not seen oh yes it? oh yes okay mm-hmm. so like i like this trend that like these raunchy comedies are all kind of female centric and 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 sort of they're all about these women that are looking for something that's sort of missing in their lives whether it's money or connection or success or some sort of validation and uh, and in joyride it's about a lot of it's about identity um this is from first time director and co-writer adele lim who had a hand in writing Crazy Rich Asians in Raya and The Last Dragon, and a, a couple of other screenwriters, one of which is a regular writer on Aquafina is Nora from Queens, and another one is a Family Guy staff, or was a Family Guy staff writer. Um, the names I would not try to pronounce, but uh, Joyride is a joyously vulgar story of four friends who happen to all be Asian women who take an international 
uh, adventure to China when uh, Audrey, played by Ashley Park, must take a business trip to Beijing to close an important deal for her law firm. Uh, she decides to bring her best friend since childhood, Lolo, who's played by Sh Sherry Cola, um, who can't seem to get her life together. She's an artist, but uh, but her her you know her parents speak Mandarin, so at least she knows the language, and so she'll be helpful on the trip. For no particular reason, Lolo's bizarre cousin, Deadeye, who might be my favorite character in this movie, yeah. uh, played by Sabrina Wu, also goes along to ensure that every conceivable moment is made a little more awkward. Um, and then once they get there, they also meet up with Audrey's college best friend, Kat, who's played by re recent Oscar nominee Stephanie Zhu, um, who is, is, is the star of a popular Chinese soap opera. Uh, the trip is different for Audrey because she was adopted as a baby by a white couple growing up in this sort of fictional town called White Hills, Washington, uh, with Lolo being the only other Asian kid in the community. So they, of course, immediately became best friends. Um, when she meets this client, she is accused of not caring about her Asian roots and just giving in to like her white upbringing. Um, and she's even chastised for not trying to seek out her birth mother while she's in China. Um, when she uh, lies to the client that she's actually is friends with her mother, uh, he invites Audrey and her mom to this party in a few days and where they're going to like seal the deal. And the ladies kind of much shift their vacation plans to go searching for Audrey's birth mother, uh, which gets them ripped off and lost and then a whole lot of sexual hijinks uh, with a basketball team uh, while they're on their journey. Um, it's an absolute ripping good time, and we learn all sorts of fun details about each of the ladies as we go on, including the nature of a well-placed tattoo that Lolo keeps. Uh, or wait, no, it's not Lolo. It's uh, oh yeah, it, no, it is Lolo, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, Lolo. Stephanie, that, Stephanie that has yeah. the yeah. right, right. Who has the as the uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no, 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 Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie is Kat. Sorry, Cat, Cat has the right. tattoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Cat has the tattoo. Who keeps it uh, hidden from her fiance? Um, and while the film focuses primarily on laughs, it's easy to kind of get caught up in Audrey's search for identity, uh, questioning her friendship with Lola, who's always been something of a burden to her, um, but not in, but but also admitting that finding her birth mother has become something important to her during this trip. Um, the friends kind of pull together, but they're also torn apart by Audrey's confusion uh, about who she is and what she wants out of this search. On the plus side, all the women are exceedingly pro-sex, and no one sort of shames each other's views on sex or is ashamed about their feelings on the subject. Sex is a good thing in this universe, and it's celebrated and discussed, and yes, sometimes practiced. Uh, if you have a problem with that, you are definitely going to the wrong movie. Um, so, so even in the scenes where perhaps the jokes aren't landing as often, the film just kind of powers through, gives us something kind of fascinating and thought-provoking to consider, um, there's a great supporting cast that includes like actors from Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Lori Tan Shin from Aquafina, uh, Nora from Queens who plays grandma in that. Oh um, my god! <laughs> Annie Mumolo shows up at one point here. So, and and each of them just pops in and destroys and moves on. So Ronnie Ch Ronnie um, Chang, Ronnie Chang. Yeah, oh, Ronnie, Ronnie's there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he he was one of the people from Crazy Rich Asians. I was referring to, but yes. Okay, so yeah. so anyway, they they Joy Wright has this like wonderful celebratory energy to it while giving us enough like emotion to get through to our hearts as well. 
uh, I think that's a solid combination. And I hope, I kind of hope this team in some combination, like kind of sticks together and like keeps doing things down the line. Anyway, the film's in theaters. It's very funny. I agree, man. I thought it was really funny and refreshing. Not all the, not all the jokes land, you know what I mean? No. Uh, and there's a section, there are a couple of sections in the movie where it goes a little bit, it's a little overwritten here and there. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but um, what it does just in terms of breaking, you know, breaking new ground uh, by having uh, the people behind the scenes and the people in front of the camera be of Asian descent and do this type of comedy, but with, as you said, a movie about you know identity and about structure. The beginning of this movie, the opening scene of this movie, uh, I just want to say, uh, considering that I'm going to be seeing uh, Dave Matthews, uh, uh, I'm <laughs> be seeing Dave Matthews in a matter of uh, as we as we as we play this back, we record in a matter of hours. I will be watching Dave Matthews um, at Northerly Island. The opening of this movie is one of the funniest openings, one of the absolute funniest openings I've seen in a movie, one of the opening scenes ever, and one of the best <laughs> uses of a Dave Matthews song of all time. And the reason why it's Dave Matthews and why it's is is uh, used at the beginning is because the idea <laughs> at the beginning is to establish the mo- the whitest most possible atmosphere that you could possibly <laughs> imagine, where suddenly two little Asian girls appear, uh, or this Asian family appears, and the setup is hilarious. It's hilarious, and the opening scene where these two. Asian girls are the only Asian uh, kids in the entire neighborhood and how the, the relationship between these two girls, one who was adopted, you know, by, uh, by a white family and the other who, uh, whose, whose uh, Asian family has just moved into the neighborhood, uh, about how they deal with the conflicts that they had to deal with, the racism and the idiocy of, of the kids, the other kids that are on the, on the, in the playground kind of echoes everything that happens for the rest of the <laughs> rest of the movie uh-huh. but the opening scene with the Dave Matthews song establishing this white suburb I'm telling you right from that moment I was laughing my at, like the first 5 <laughs> minutes of this movie I was doubled over with laughter uh, it's a great cast everybody gets to shine there's a lot of great raunchy material the tattoo scene is unbelievable there <laughs> is a um a scene where they turn into uh Korean pop stars at a at, a, at mm-hmm. an airport, at an airport where they actually bust into a K commer- or a, a, a video where I was just like beside myself. Uh, Brownie Patrol, by the way, is the name of their band, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I want to be in Brownie Patrol's uh, fan club. Um, but everybody is in. Everybody is great in this. And uh, and and Steve, you mentioned the the, the uh, I'm I'm blanking on her name now. The actress who played the uh, Dead Eye. Um, oh. This is like her first. This is like her first movie. Um, yeah. And and she's unbelievably funny like and the character is original and kind of weird and really authentic and strange um and she's my and like you steve to me she's my favorite character in the entire movie and this is a movie that's filled with very very funny characters and there is a lot of shit that people do in this movie there is a there is stuff that an oscar nominee from last year does where you're like holy (laughs) shit she was nominated for an oscar last year what the fuck is she doing and the tattoo scene (laughs) <laughs> fantastic that's all i'm saying and i was just like god bless the oscar nominee for doing that that's fantastic yeah. so we should um, say dead, dead eye is sabrina Wu. that's right oh, yeah she's yeah. so fucking funny um <laughs> yeah. and and such a weird character and every time she's on screen she does something weird or funny and adds a different kind of energy to it and there and yet not just a weird character but a character that you really like that brings a lot of emotion to uh, it's also just just lovely and it's 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 in that you know in that vein of like 
you know, your Bridesmaids was kind of the first movie to really kick ass in that department, you know, to, to, to make mm-hmm. your R-rated comedy. Like, hey, you know what? The girls can do this just as well as the guys can. And they did, and, and, and every once in a while, like, sometimes it fails, like the Rough Night was not a very good movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Girls Trip, <laughs> was not, Girls Trip was not very good. Uh, but this one works, and, uh, and I've not seen Bottoms, but I hear that's great. Um, yeah. You know, Booksmart has a little bit of that in it, too. So, so I, like the, I like the fact that it's female-centric, but I also like the fact that it's also um, ethnically interesting as well. Um, a very funny, very raunchy comedy, and I, I recommend I laughed a lot, especially, I, I'm telling you, the opening scene, the first five minutes of this movie, literally, <laughs> I was doubled over with laughter, so... I will say this about Deadeye. Anytime she wasn't on screen for more than five minutes, I'm like, I wonder what Deadeye's doing. Exactly, right now. exactly, man. No, dude, seriously, the standout character, and and you've never seen this actress before, and yeah. she's so interesting looking, and her choices are weird, and it's yeah. just, uh, no, she's a, she's a fascinating actress, or she might, uh, she might. Uh, use they as a pronoun. I think sure. I think the character does. I'm not sure yeah, about okay. the actress. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think the char- I think the character actually switches a couple of times. That's right. <laughs> during the movie. But anyway, okay, whatever, whatever. We're, we're anyway. Just, okay. Anyway, it's a funny movie, so go see it. It's called Joyride, rated R for good reason. All right. Now, I have not seen the new Mission Impossible movie um, because I was saving it as a birthday uh, gift to myself. Um, so the night you guys were in a different room down the hall watching that, I was watching this horror film called Talk to Me, which we will review, review in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I had a good night there. I had a very good night watching that movie. And I think you guys had a great night as well. The new Mission Impossible movie, it's the seventh, right, in the series? Yes. Seventh mm-hmm. in yeah. the series. It's Dead Reckoning, again, directed by Christopher uh, McQuarrie. And, of course, uh, Tom Cruise and the, and the gang are back. The gang. Like, it's like, yay, it's wacky. <laughs> um, but it's Dead Reckoning. It's the new Mission Impossible movie. Eric, Steve, you guys take it away. I'm very excited to hear what you think of it. Eric, you start us off. Okay. Uh, well, Tom Cruise is back as Ethan Hunt. And, and in this movie, he's battling AI. Yes, uh, as timely as movies get is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. There is a basically a rogue AI element that is disobeying orders. uh, And, of course, everyone wants to get their hands on it. uh, This this is something that they can control. Uh, Governments want it. Black market uh, buyers want it very badly. And the IMF team is on a hunt to retrieve... Uh, these keys, or at least one half of a, at least one half of a key that they, they have one half of it, uh, that are when put together is. Wait, is it? Hold on, is this a thing now where people are looking for half of shit? Because uh, that was in the, <laughs> is that a thing now? Because, <laughs> because it's in it's in it's in Transformers and it's in Indiana Jones. Where I, 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 I that is true. <laughs> that's an interesting uh, new topic new topic yeah, yeah. Uh, movie movies involving half because that's always right. a treasure hunting thing you got to find the other half right, right. Of the and, thing and this summer my god i've not seen the Indiana. Yeah. i've not seen i didn't know this plot point of mission impossible but now i'm like wait a minute that was in indiana jones and transformers yeah. well the funny thing is is having seen indiana jones again holds your groans nick oh. um <laughs> there it is um <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable it. how many similar action scenes and and beats and attacks are between the two movies. That's oh, all I'm going to say. We've I know, man. <laughs> uh, uh, and, but even I will say this movie does it better. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so they're after this AI. So uh, Hunt's got his team back together, including Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg and Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, and there are some new players uh, involved uh, in the hunt of this. Uh, most notably, there's a pickpocket. Uh, now play, played by Haley Atwell, who is just constantly seems to be showing up and mucking yeah. up the works for the IMF. And yeah. 
uh, the IMF agents who are after the, the, the uh, Hunt's team, including uh, Shea Wiggum, uh, who's, who's constantly chasing Tom Cruise throughout this movie. Um, and uh, also the, the, the chief, other than the AI, the chief villain in this is a guy named Gabriel, played by Isai Morales, uh, who is someone who has a link to Ethan Hunt's past and basically why he joined the IMF to begin with. So we get a whole kind of everything is coming full circle with this uh these potentially final chapters uh and uh they're also uh, assassins played by palm clementi from guardians of the galaxy uh vanessa kirby returns as uh the arms dealer who's the daughter of the vanessa redgrave character from the first movie uh and also returning is harry chesney from uh the first movie as kittredge uh and like i said there's a lot of uh references actually to the first movie uh even just into sort of looks uh, and, and things that little references, uh, Easter eggs thrown out throughout the movie uh, for fans of the series. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's actually a lot of plot in this movie, uh, much more than I'm even leading on to. Uh, sometimes it's sometimes hard to keep track of exactly which is the good person we want to get their hands on the keys and who's the bad person. Uh, some of that gets a little muddied uh, along the way. But... Uh, the thing about the Mission Impossible movies is it is that rare action series or franchise of, <clears throat> excuse me, of any genre, frankly, that just keeps getting better. Uh, I think with, with maybe with the possible exception of the Mad Max series, uh, it's really hard to kind of name another franchise that has that kind of lasting staying power. Uh, and having reinvigorated this thing with Brad Bird with Ghost Protocol and now Christopher McQuarrie taking the helm for the last three movies and this now potentially final chapter of part two, uh, it has taken on an insane life of its own as one of the great action series uh, and individual action movies of all time. And this movie really is no exception. Um, I think that if I have any complaints about the movie is that I think it takes a little while to get itself kind of going. Uh, I think that there's the, 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 oh, there's the opening scene done in under, uh, underwater and there's a scene in the desert that's a little not quite supposed to know exactly what's going on there. Uh, so it takes a little while to get going. But once this thing slams its foot on the pedal, and it does once they get to an airport, is all I'll say, uh, this movie is pretty much nonstop for the next two hours. Uh, the, and the great thing about the action sequences is that you really get the sense that they're really designing these action sequences. We know the geography, we know the players, we know what they're after uh, most of the time. Uh, and so much of it is done without weapons. I mean, with the exception of Shea Wiggum and them drawing their guns on people, this is not really a shoot 'em up type movie. This is a chase movie so there's cars and foot chases and trains uh and all kinds of stuff and every one every sequence one after another is just an incredible amount of fun there's a lot more humor in this movie than i think we've ever seen in this entire series so there's there's a lot of moments of levity in this um and uh i, I think that there's going to be some really interesting think pieces written about this movie uh mccrory obviously has a screenwriting credit as well uh I, I think is there's really something to the effect of maybe the last movie star on the planet battling a computer for dominance of the, the, you know <laughs> of what's going on in the world is something really interesting and i'm sure on the flip side of that there's also going to be a lot of people looking at this and going like well there's kind of a scientology recruitment kind of thing going on in this thing as well uh i'll leave it for the think pieces to, to Put, throw that down but it doesn't matter forget all of that 
this movie is just pure entertainment. Uh, it is one of the best uh, films of the year, one of the best action films in recent memory. Like I said, you know, any order you want to put the Mission Impossible movies, with the exception of three and two, was those are the last two. Any of those other five, put them in any order, and I'm okay with it because they're all fantastic, and this one's no exception. Okay. All right, Steve, where are you on this one? Yep. That's where I am. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I really love the, like, insane timeliness of of this thing, the AI idea, like AI taking over from, like, a tactile uh, agent. Like, I love that, I love that idea. And um, I, I, I honestly can't believe we're, like, deep in discussions about AI and, and certain uh, creative organizations and unions are fighting about AI right now. So um, it, it seems very timely uh, Scientology or not. I, I got to say, and yeah, what's interesting also about the, I love what Eric said about the humor. Cause this, this movie did is very funny at times, but it's not coming from like Simon Pegg or whatever. It's, it's Tom Cruise. Like he's the one there. The, the, there's the car chase scene with him and Haley Atwell in like the smallest car ever designed and they're handcuffed together, but they're not the hands next to each other. It's the hands at the far ends of the car. So their arms are like, he's basically steering with one hand. Um, their hands are like cross across their bodies. It is, it is hilarious. It's like fucking Keystone cops. And, and to throw Shea Wiggum in here as like basically an actual Keystone cop who always kind of shows up a little too late and can never quite get his man or his men or his his people that he's chasing down. Um, I love Haley Atwell in this. I think she's a great disruptive force uh, to this. She doesn't use a lot of like tech. She's basically a pickpocket, like a really advanced pickpocket. Um, and they call she's called upon at, toward the end of the film to do what they do and it's she's very uncomfortable in it uh because it's just not her her style um this but i will say like so the car chase is awesome and this there's like this extended sequence at the end on a train that is part runaway train thing uh it, it kind of ends in like a survival <laughs> like the craziest survival like escape thing that i i can't even remember anything i've ever seen like it completely unbelievable didn't care it was it's amazing i think the best thing about dead reckoning part one is that part two comes out in one year <laughs> so uh we don't have to wait like five or six years for the next piece of this um and yeah it's it's i i, I mean I, I don't have much more to add to what uh what eric said i mean they still use masks so i'm excited about that too uh <laughs> oh good and, good, and, good, good. and, and yes. yeah and like and and, and, yeah, and i will say i will emphasize henry sherney is only he's not really in the movie that much but he's in it enough that like it, it, it tying it back to the first movie you kind of get a sense that they are are yeah it, it does sort of feel like they're wrapping it up a little bit although i don't i have no idea how this thing is going to end and i don't want to by the way i don't want to upset anybody or freak anybody out but this movie ends in a cliffhanger and as as a lot of movies this you're talking about movies that are putting two two halves together that's literally what these movies are doing is being made in two parts now and um and and for some reason people seem unfamiliar with the concept of a cliffhanger but this movie ends in a cliffhanger and you're gonna have to wait a year to find out how this ends um so anyway yeah so um, but yeah, having him and, and I love that we also get a bit of an origin story 
for both Ethan and somebody else in the movie. I don't want to ruin who it is, but we we actually get to see somebody like a recent addition to the team um, and how that happens and why that happens. I love that detail because we've never really seen that. We've never really seen somebody join like they meet them. And then by the end of the movie, they're being asked to join and it's done in a way I wasn't expecting. And yeah, it, it's, it's this, this is amazing. This is, I mean, I can't wait to see this one again. And yeah. I actually did something I've never, I don't usually do when a sequel is coming out, which is I actually, in the two weeks leading up to me seeing this, I watched all the other movies in, you know, and I, I don't usually do that. I feel like a movie like this needs to stand on its own, but because Henry Shearney was in the trailer for this movie, I'm like, okay, I don't really remember much about, I remember that he was in it, but I wanted to be like, let me see, because I know these, some of these are tied loosely together, and I want to re kind of remember how that all works, and it was the best idea. It was a very good idea. So, anyway, yes, Dead Reckoning Part 1, amazing. Okay, I don't have time to do that now, uh, Steve, because I'm going to see it. <laughs> I know. So I don't have time to catch up on all of them, but I've Just seen them. I've, like I've seen them. I've seen them about, uh, I've seen them all uh, several times. Yeah. I'm a fan of all the movies. I even like the second one. I don't give a shit. Mm. I think the second one, the John Woo one, has amazing shit in it. It's the weakest of the entire series, and I think the third one's good. I don't know why people trash the third one, the J.J. Abrams one. I, I wasn't a, even aware that they did. So yeah, uh, the, the, yeah. I mean, I th I like the I like the third one a lot. Um, and mm -hmm. and then and then you know the, obviously the one that that Brad Bird did is solid. But these movies that Macquarie have directed, my God, man. I mean, they're among the best. Now let me ask you this, um, because. Um, you know, my fourth favorite film so far this year is John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, mm -hmm. I know it's, I don't want to say better or is it not as good or is it better, but does it rank? I mean, because for me, John Wick Chapter 4 is the best action film I've seen all year. Uh, it, it, and, and uh, it, uh, you know, how do you guys, where, where, where does that stand Ooh. in for you? Like, Eric, like John Wick Chapter 4. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that this, I, I think a second viewing of this will rival it. Uh, okay. coming out, I think I was, I mean, they're right by each other. Like yeah, they're so right thought, uh, there. Uh, a, so like just, you know, if they're, they're an inch apart, that's yeah. pretty damn good. Yeah. You know? No, 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 no. I know. And, and, uh, Steve, what about you? They're, they're, they're so the... wildly different. I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, I, of course you got to compare them because yeah, that's another example of a series that gets better with each yeah. new chapter. Like, yeah. and it, it truly, and, and they're, and they're both three, almost three hours long. Both of them are almost yeah, three hours long. And, and, and like you guys are saying, I haven't seen MI yet, but I mean, the last hour of John Wick is just one fucking sustained, amazing yeah. action sequence. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm beside myself. I can't wait. I mean, if it's half yeah. as good as, as John Wick, I'm beside, I'm going to be losing my shit tonight. It's so. definitely that. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's what I thought. That. That's, and that's the feeling that I got. I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to see something as good as John Wick tonight, which is going to be, I'm so excited. All right. Yeah. So I'm yeah. uh, not surprised that you guys loved it. Uh, and I'm not surprised. It's great. And um, and I'm also it's it is kind of amazing. You know, you got to think that this movie, they first started making this movie before COVID. And yeah. so they yeah. and like like Top Gun, uh, um, you know, he was making them at the same time. Tom Cruise is like, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait until we put these in the big screen. And, you know, you saw what happened last year with Top Gun, um, yeah. you know, single handedly. A lot of people he saved Hollywood, saved the box office, whatever, with that movie. And he waited for this one, and 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 again, not only waiting to see it on the big screen and in your IMAXs, but also from what you guys are saying about the plot, <laughs> waiting <laughs> to yeah. come out again. Coincidentally, we are knee deep in AI stuff. So like, it, it wow, man, it wouldn't I mean, surprise me <laughs> if like like the people behind this movie have been slowly kind of wagging the dog about AI for like two years <laughs> and been just kind of getting it. In. 
social yeah. media consciousness, yeah, right. it would okay, not yeah. shock yeah. me at all. <laughs> well, we got some Dustin Hoffman working behind the scenes on this one. Yeah. Oh, man, that's yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I, you've got to have made me even more excited. I think I could be more excited <laughs> to see it, but I am. Uh, so, obviously, so Eric, Steve, say see it. Um, all three of us uh, recommend Wham! And Steve and I recommend Joy. Wow, not a bad movie this wow. week. What right. the fuck? Holy cow. Uh, what do we got in the next uh, uh, next time we talk? A couple of weeks. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> All right. There you go. Those are those are kind of big. Those are kind of big, I guess. Uh, yeah. I think. Okay, cool. All right. Well, you guys have a great, uh, have a, have a great week, and we'll talk to you uh, the next time for Barbie and Oppenheimer. Thanks. Sounds great. All right, Steve, Eric, thank you, guys. Uh, there they are. And, uh, and uh, let's say hello to – let's say hello to uh, Esmeralda Leon. Esmeralda. Yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Oh, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, yeah. Get yourself some Esma. Love me some Esma. Esmeralda Leon. Yeah. Esmeralda. Esmeralda Leon, you hear that theme, you know it means it's uh, it's time to talk to Esmeralda and visit with her and let's say hello to Esmeralda. Hi Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How good. are you? I'm okay. Survived the 4th. You have all your digits. Yeah. Didn't blow off yeah. no blo- didn't blow off any fingers <laughs> or anything? Yep, nothing all in one piece. Yeah. Okay. Any did you go out? Did you see any fireworks or did you just keep Layla? Um I, I kept low. I mean, I could hear everything. Yeah. <laughs> it was like World War Three, in yeah. my neighborhood. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it went on until about two in the morning here. Um, you know, uh, and it, I mean, every year it does that. It, uh, and uh, it, it seemed to be back. It seemed to be back more in full force this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, for because sure. Because now, I mean, like last year, if you remember that horrible uh, tragedy in Highland Park happened on the 4th of mm-hmm. July. And so I think some people were like, maybe we shouldn't go out and celebrate and blow stuff up considering so many people were murdered today. So I think it was it was maybe cut down a little bit last year. And then obviously during COVID, it wasn't as crazy, you know, but mm-hmm. la- la- this this past this like three nights ago or whatever. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like, hey, no, it was like nobody was murdered today, you know, and uh in Highland Park, uh, and uh, there's no COVID, so let's go nuts. And they were blowing stuff up till like two o'clock in the morning. So, mm-hmm. yeah, N- not my favorite holiday by a by a stretch, by a long stretch. Yeah, it's a eh for me. Yeah, no, I just it, you know, it does nothing for me, and you know. Um, so anyway, I've always thought it was dumb and people blowing off their fingers, and I don't, I don't know. I've never really liked it. So anyway, well, that's uh, that. And uh, and it was also uh, particularly war- it was a, it was a particularly hot July 4th. Not that it shouldn't be because it's July in Chicago. Right. right. But it, it is was, summer here. It is summer. And I and I hate the summer. I just do. Um, so anyway. All right. Well, the 4th of July. Thank God that's over. Now we're moving on. Um, going. Uh, I'm going to uh, to see the Dave Matthews. Uh, band tonight. Very nice. On Very Friday nice. Night, uh, to, at the Northerly Island, which you were just there for the garbage and the who was it? Again? Noel Gallagher, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but so you suggest uh, I should, however, be expected to be 
shake down if I bring carbonated water, right? That was the warning that you had last right. night? Right. Well, that one person. <laughs> right. I don't know. Just skip the skip the, the, the lady security guard I had. <laughs> so, and again, it was the, the problem but was- But then we you, convinced her, so. The problem was that you had water, but it was carbonated, and she was, like, confused It was that. soda. It was club soda. Right. Uh, and she, I don't believe, knew what club soda was. <laughs> or what it was made of. <laughs> How do you not? Because she, she was very. She was booze. Um, no, I don't know. She was younger. Um, because you can only bring in water. You can't bring in anything else. Well, so you can't bring in pop. Um, so maybe she thought it was like right. I so see. she thought it was something, and I was. We were like, well, it's water, and she's like, it is. <laughs> so you know. I see. All right. Well, uh, but uh, but overall, though, you know, you had you had fun at the at the garbage show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, which it was a good, good show. So, yeah, we'll see. And I, and the the weather is not going to be um, horrible. It's not going to be a hundred degrees. Oh, there weekend. you go. So that'll be that'll be a plus. You know, not standing out in humidity amongst a bunch of people who are drinking while I'm not. So yeah. That, uh, <laughs> at a at a Dave concert where I can't tell you the number of times I've been drunk at a Dave Matthews show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of those adjustments as a as a you know as a as a, a recovering alcoholic. One of the places where I would drink a lot would be at Dave shows. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you know this or not, Esmeralda. People drink a lot at Dave Matthews shows. I don't know if you know. Yeah, this. I would imagine. <laughs> I could imagine. Did you ever have to work a Dave show when you worked in the Tinley Village? Um, no. They usually. Um, I had to. I had to work one over at uh, Alpine Valley. Oh wait, when I was oh, working. Right. Yeah, he had him there. Yeah, he he was at Alpine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He, I don't know. I think he only played the world. Once or twice, but God, it, oh my God, I keep, what's it called now? Uh, uh, travel Village? Uh, first, uh, it's credit. not the casino anymore, right? No, they just changed they it. Ju- <laughs> <laughs> uh, credit can't... Union One Amphitheater. There it is. There it is. Credit Union One Amphitheater. But I keep calling it the world or the Twitter or the Twitter. Yeah, I just Twitter. say, I always say it's the Twitter Center. So it's, Yeah, because now when you worked there, it was the t- well, Twitter, right? Wasn't it called? Yeah, the it was the Twitter Center. Okay. But it was first the world. That was the first mm-hmm. name it had. Um, so, so when I went there, like when Dave, the last, the only time I ever saw Dave there, I don't think he played there. He didn't play there very often, which is why you didn't you didn't work his gigs regularly. Um, I think he only played there very early. Like maybe I think mm-hmm. he stopped playing there like what when Crash came out. So we're talking like after his second or third album. Um, and then it was so they would ship you guys out to Alpine, correct? Yeah, they would offer if you wanted to do it. Um, I forget like what the, what the, what the enticement was, but I'm sure it was just like, maybe they would give you a little bit extra on your pay, but it wasn't by much. I don't think, yeah. but I was, I was like, whatever, let's go. <laughs> so what were the, were the crowds different at Alpine than they were at the, at the tweeter? Um, I mean, well, it was just for the Dave you know? show. Oh, um, oh, the okay. only, so, you know, I, I base it off of the fans. Oh God. Oh man. I'm um, sorry. and <laughs> at one point, yeah, no, <laughs> at one point, um, we were having to stand near a wall because people kept peeing on it. Cause uh, you know, yeah. toilets, yeah. what are those? Yep. Uh, so we had to like stand wide with like, um, flashlights yep. to get people to, stay away from a wall so they wouldn't uh, pee on it i'm not surprised by that at all i apologize as a as a spokesperson well you know what i do not represent Ugh. those i do not represent <laughs> those those dave fans i mean i'm a fan of dave matthews i'm a huge mm-hmm. fan and i've seen i've seen dave live multiple 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 times 
Mm-hmm. And every single time I go, I look around and go, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You know what I mean? Like that's usually, <laughs> yeah, that's usually what's what it's usually it's 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 usually not just that. It's not what the fuck is wrong with you people. It's what the fuck is wrong with you white people. That's that's usually yeah. the uh, <laughs> and it's usually even more specifically what the fuck is wrong with you white guys. That's usually mm-hmm. the so um, that seems so, yeah. to be a uh, over overall I, uh, theme throughout life yeah it, yeah but especially at dave matthews shows i mean especially i mean the the you know these these oh god and, and and every time i go i'm like why don't you why what's because you know because there's a there's a there's a there's a band on stage by the way mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. literally some of the best musicians in the history of music on stage right now and they're playing and what are you doing? What are you peeing on walls? You're falling down. You're knocking people over. What? What do you? What the fuck are you doing? And why yeah. did you pay, pay so much money to come in here? And why are you paying? You know, fifteen to do all that exactly to do that. Well, you could do that shit at home. You know, I I don't know. Yeah, but then Dave isn't playing right in front of him. I know, and they don't care. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I've been I've been there. You know, and I've and and, and although. In 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 my years of drinking, I did. Uh, I've gotten drunk at Dave Matthews shows in the past, but I've mm. never exhibited that. You know what? I always know, Esmeralda, where to pee, even there at my drunk, even at my drunkest, even when I was at my you drunkest. See? And, Perfect. And, and Esmeralda, I've been <laughs> drunk. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been drunk several times in my life. Yeah, I, I've never went. Yeah, I'm just gonna piss on this wall at a concert. I've never just done that. <laughs> And I don't, and even at my drunkest, I don't, I, I actually look at people who are doing that and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Even when I'm drunk, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so God, not only did you have to put up with that, but you had to travel to Wisconsin to put up with that. Yeah. I think I didn't really realize like how far it was or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Alpine is far. It's a drive, man. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you ever gone there just to see a show not working? Uh, No. So the only time you've oh my god the only time you've ever gone to Alpine is to shine flashlights on drunk guys peeing on walls. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible. It's a really cool venue though. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure you didn't get to soak it all in. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but no, it's a great place to see a show. Uh, you just didn't, you know, experience that. So, God, oh my god. All right. So, and and the only time they ever was was a Dave show. The only, did they offer Alpine for any other shows or just Dave? No, they was did there... it for other ones. I mean, it oh, was just okay. like if they didn't have enough people right. uh, working or they needed more. Um, I saw Aerosmith yeah, and man. Cheap Trick. Ooh, I saw that show. Um, that was at Alpine. Oh, okay. Um, All right. Well, I think that's I mean... it. I think those are the only two that okay. I had. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Both of those shows would be good if you didn't have to shine lights on people peeing. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, Aerosmith and not so much anymore, but at least if they played the classics, that's good. Like, they played the stuff mm-hmm. from the 70s, that's good. And, and Cheap Trick is always good, and Dave is always good. That's just too bad that you have, like, bad memories of shining flashlights on guys peeing on walls associated with those concerts. That's just too bad. <laughs> and the other thing, the other bad thing too, Azrella, is that as as you can tell, Dave comes to town. You know when he does because he tours every summer almost. I mean, I mean, really seriously, mm-hmm. he's on the road. He's been on the road. I I don't know for twenty five years during the yeah. summer. Like Dave goes on tour during the summer. That's usually what happens. Very rarely do you see him on tour after October. It's rare, but every once in a while. But during the summer, he's mm-hmm. always on tour. 
And he uh, and every time they schedule the summer tour, the Dave summer tour, Chicago or Alpine or whatever the Chicago area venue is, always is around the Fourth of July. So interesting. On top of you having to shine flashlights on people, it's the Fourth of July, so people are extra stupid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why Dave is playing this weekend um, because it's he always plays on a weekend and it's always the weekend closest to the Fourth. So I don't know. Anyway, well, we'll see what happens at Northerly Island. I'm sure that there will be. Yeah, some real, you'll have to. Uh, I'm sure a full hey, report Tuesday. I'm sure I'll have stories. I have no doubt in my mind that I'll have stories. Well, I don't think it'll. It'll pass the schwig. Can I have a schwig story that I've told in the past? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. The guy just came up and stood next to me, even though he didn't have a seat. So he defied you guys. This was uh, at uh, this was at um, at the world, in fact, I think. Oh. Where he just get, this guy was clearly had a lawn seat, and he kind of just sneaked his. They, they kind of bamboozled their way all the way to the front, and I had like fourth row. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of squeezed his way in next to me, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And, you know, I was down to the bottom of my beer. I had, like, two two sips left in the beer. And he goes, yeah. hey, man, can I get a swig <laughs> of my backwash? You want my fucking backwash? That's what you want? <laughs> the typical Dave fan right there. So, anyway. Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's all have fun. And I'm sorry that you had that, uh, that experience of uh, shining spotlights on people peeing. It's just so stupid. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, I've been to Alpine a few times, and it seems like every time I go there, I remember specifically one time I went up there. I've been there a bunch of times, but I remember specifically um, when I saw Sting, mm-hmm. um, like three other guys, and, and and we jumped in a car, and it felt like I don't know what it was, but it that particular show it it felt like it took us ten days to get there. Oh God! I mean, it was just, for some reason I don't know. I always associate the Sting. Late 80s, 88 or 89 tour uh, with like the longest uh, trek to a concert and back that I've ever been on. Mm-hmm. But it was, I don't know what it was. I think it was traffic. I think it was anticipation. I think we were running late. I don't remember. But I just remember that specific Sting show being like, God damn, is Alpine Valley in Switzerland? Is that where we're going? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. But anyway. All right, enjoy your outdoor concerts, everybody. It's that time of season. Yeah, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going. I'm going to the uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to the Twitter Center, the first unit bank, whatever the fuck it's called again, yeah. uh, to see Foreigner and Loverboy. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Foreigner and Loverboy. Oh, that'll be fantastic. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Esmeralda that the median mm-hmm. age the median age is gonna be sixty at that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that I yeah that sounds about right. Yeah, that's my guess. That's my guess. So anyway, all right, uh, we'll see what happens there. Okay. Hey, speaking of bands, you know that there's a documentary on Netflix. You got the Netflix? Um, not anymore. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I was piggybacking on my. Uh, my parents' account, and since they oh they put up that down, whole down on yeah. that stuff, yeah. And I honestly, um, I haven't watched it in a while, so. Well, <laughs> if you if you ever if you're at your parents' house and you want to piggyback, or if you ever get that uh, you ever get that password situation uh, worked out where you can sneak it past Netflix, and you should because they're not paying writers like they should. Um, yeah. Um, you should check out the new Wham documentary. I watched it yesterday. Mm-hmm. 
It's How fucking. It? It's great. It's really, really great. And it's just this one is di- it's different than the George Michael documentary that came out last year. Because mm-hmm. this one is just just specifically about Wham. It's about the friendship between Andrew Ridgely and George Michael, how it started and how it ended mm-hmm. at their last concert in 1986. So it's nothing. Oh. Ab- it doesn't. It doesn't go into faith or any of the stuff that George Michael did, or any of the car racing or solo work that Andrew Ridgely did after. It's just. It's just about their relationship and about uh, the rise of Wham, their friendship, and what happened when it went, went, and, and then when Wham ended. And it's it's as a as a you know I mean you know I'm a huge George Michael fan and mm-hmm. and as a Wham fan it's fantastic it's great and I always keep thinking like anytime I like especially this watching this I just kept thinking of remember uh, Keanu the cat movie with uh, Key and Peele mm-hmm. yeah yeah where he kept where uh, Keegan Michael Key's character kept playing like Wham and George Michael songs and the badasses in the car were like oh that's right <laughs> and then he does hold the whole speech he's like man this this uh, Never heard from Ridgely again. And he was trying to say that like George Michael <laughs> murdered Rick and you never heard from Ridgely's again. <laughs> and I kept thinking that like at the end and you never heard from Ridgely <laughs> again. Um, but no, it's really good. And if you get a chance to see it, if anybody's got uh, uh, Netflix, um, you know, I mean, in, in fact, well, basically you just heard, well, <laughs> well, I just forgot about this, but Eric and Steve and I just talked about it. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, there you go. I forgot. I totally forgot that we just reviewed it. <laughs> Not that I'm going to record that in about an hour. No. <laughs> it's that I forgot that we reviewed it. Yeah, that's mm. it. That's what happened. Anyway. Uh, but it's re- if you get a chance, and I know that you enjoy the Wham. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. A, and it's a great... It's you'll, you'll, you'll get a kick out of it, Esmeralda, because it's a really incredible fun look back at that time and i know you love to go mm-hmm. back and look at those videos and stuff um and like like talking about the clothes that they had that they chose to wear and stuff like that and no it's just it's a fun it's a fun look back at that band and it really is so, very nice so if you if you if you get that uh, password back and it's just it's it's not a real hard title to remember it's just called wham mm-hmm. so there you go just Wham! Yeah, perfect. There it is. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway. All right. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of technology, Netflix and stuff, you've mm-hmm. heard about Threads now, right? The new yes, social media yes. social media app. Um, and it launched uh, as the time at the time of this taping last night. It launched last night. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, and it's the, for people who might not know, if you're not tech savvy, because there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast who... Sometimes I'll get emails from going, what's a podcast? Why am I, what am I doing wrong? You know what I mean? Like they don't even know how to yeah. do the podcast. <laughs> I don't know how they're listening. See, that's to where thing. I'm like, you know, you could Google it. Yeah. Just Google it. It's very easy. You can just Google it. It's very easy. Just you Nick could D Google podcast. what is a podcast. What is a podcast? <laughs> you can just Google Nick D podcast and click on a couple of things. The next thing you know, our voices are coming out of your uh, yeah. little, little, yeah. little phone or your computer or your device. So uh, anyway, this threads thing now for people who might not know mm-hmm. if you're not tech savvy if you don't give a shit about social media um yeah it's a new app that is zuckerberg and meta's answer to twitter mm-hmm. yes. um and and it is kind of an offshoot of instagram but instagram as you know esmeralda is exclusively about images and pictures and stuff right yeah not uh, yeah, it's more uh, image based. 
Right. And you could do the little story thing where you can put music to stuff and right. Mm-hmm. You can post a story. Mm-hmm. But you can't like on, on Instagram, you can't like post a link to stuff. Um, you, you can actually. You can you in can. the posts, but you can in the stories. You can in the stories. Mm-hmm. You're right, but you can't in the posts. Okay. Right. I'm still I don't I don't know. Anyway. So 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 Instagram is clearly doesn't have the same function as Twitter. So Zuckerberg uh, decided that he wanted to do something that had the same sort of function as Twitter that would be different than Instagram, where you could do mm-hmm. the kind of things that you do on Twitter, like a lot of links and plugging and pictures and stories and 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 more um, text stuff than you yeah. can on Twitter. And hopefully with. Uh... A slightly less uh, essentially uh, bigotry. <laughs> yeah, that's we're, that's that's not going to be curbed. I can guarantee. <laughs> I can guarantee it. Now, Esmeralda, you are not on Twitter, correct? Um, I have a Twitter account, but I've I haven't. I don't use it. I don't really look at Twitter on my own. Um, I'm I'm more. I gravitate more towards Instagram. Right. Is there a reason? Is there a specific reason? I just. I don't. I don't have anything to write <laughs> mm-hmm. twitter is like you said it's a it's more text-based so you have to write things i'm not really writing anything that i deem worthy of people to look at so okay and now you are on facebook mm-hmm. but you don't you don't post a lot on social media um not really honestly facebook um is sorry but it's really more for the older people now (laughs) yeah yeah i know uh i mean i use i use uh any whatever social media i'm on i use to drop movie reviews or comment here and there but a lot of it the majority of the stuff that i post on any of the social media that i use is to plug this thing that i'm doing right now yeah is to plug this or events that I'm doing or, you know, like screenings that I think might be interesting. I use it to post funny stuff that I hope people will find funny, but inevitably I'm going to put a link to stuff that I want people to buy or listen to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's ultimately what I want. I want people to come to see us. At, by the way, Esmeralda, I have been posting and I have an event, a, a Facebook event that I just created for our live podcast at Flashback in a month. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I will plug. That's something that I will post. And I've actually posted a link of that uh, on, you know, on, you know, whatever, on your Twitter and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't use, I'm not like addicted to, to social media. I use it frequently, you know, uh, to post things. But mostly if I post something like an observation or if I write something, it usually has a purpose. There's usually like something I want to plug or usually something I want people, like if it's a movie I want people to see, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... This threads thing, um, and I know you have no, it's, it's essentially, now I don't know, it launched last night, so I don't know exactly what's going on. At this point, what you can do, uh, if you're at all interested, Esmeralda, mm-hmm. is to, you have an Instagram account, you can just like download the threads app, mm-hmm. and then click two buttons and and they take your all the information, all the stuff, and all your followers and everything. They just take all of your shit from Instagram, and boom, you now have a Threads account with the name that you had on Instagram. Right. So okay. to get on Threads, it's real easy. 
you know, whether or not you want to use it is a whole other story. I've only posted three things since last night. Two of them were plugs for this podcast and and, and SNL podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and my first post on threads was a picture of Andrea Riceboro uh, flipping the camera off. That was my that was my, <laughs> that was my <laughs> So I was like, hi. You know, that's what I said. I Here's Andrea Riceboro, one of my favorite people in the world, flipping you off. So, But again, the only other two things that I've posted – have been plugs for this and this podcast and the SNL podcast, which is mm-hmm. what I'll do, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll post plugs for other stuff. But it was interesting to see how, you know, cause I've never been a part of a launch of an app. Cause like I was like mm-hmm. there, I was there last night when it launched, I was like, for some reason I was on my phone and everybody started saying, Hey, threads has launched. Yeah. And one of the first messages that I got that like popped up on Facebook was like, I'm not part of threads was Marcus, uh, Lashak, you know, uh, roller coaster boy. Over at right, uh, right. at uh, Channel Nine, and I'm like, oh, okay. So I got the f- app and I went over there, and then I just like posted the picture of Andre Riceboro giving the finger, and then went mm-hmm. away, and then came back a little later because they keep giving me uh, updates as to who's following me because people who are now joining Thread Threads, mm-hmm. they let them they let you know that they're now your they're following you. You know what I mean? Right. Like, cause, because because yeah. they they just joined. So I keep getting these updates constantly of people who are now following me, who used to follow me on Instagram, blah, 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 because they're joining. So anytime somebody new joins threads, boom. So I keep getting these updates. So I went back and I was watching what people were posting. And it was all kinds of nasty shit about Elon Musk. They were all kinds yeah. of... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. That's good to hear. That's yeah. good. No, but it, because like clearly, you know, like people are like, can't stand Elon Musk. And since he took over Twitter, people are like, fuck yeah. Twitter <laughs> and all this other stuff. And so like that first initial... It really, right at the very beginning of Threads mm-hmm. uh, that I was checking out, they were almost universally just people even posting like weird memes about Elon Musk, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So it was it was very funny to to scroll through some of the very 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 first uh, Threads um, posts uh, anti Elon Musk, and then then it then and then once in a, you know a, a little bit later on I checked again, and then like by this morning I looked again, and it just turned into like Twitter. You know what I mean? Like it's like you look at it, yeah. and you go, all right, it's yeah, the same yeah. shit. Um, but it was funny for that first like few hours. People like, hey, what's this? And they don't know what they're doing. And they're, they're, you know, (laughs) and like they're posting weird shit and stuff. Like I like I purposely posted Andrea Riceboro giving a finger. And so people were posting their first stuff like like uh, like Marcus's uh, roller coaster boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, His his first um, threads post was high is this thing on. See, he was doing the comedian thing. See, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people were doing variations of that. Got it. So but the thing that I wanted to say to you, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. Is I want you to Google um, Threads, a uh, British movie, mm-hmm. um, because I when I heard because I didn't even know this thing was a th- I didn't know it was a thing like I don't keep up with the tech shit, and so I heard Threads is the name of this Mark Zuckerberg Twitter alternative and it's called Threads and whenever I hear Threads, something called Threads, the first mm-hmm. thing that comes to my mind. And maybe I'm in the minority on this, and I probably am because I'm a weirdo. But the first thing that comes into my mind is this horrifying movie from 1983 from Britain called yeah. Threads, which is this nuclear apocalypse, World War III, end of the world, nuclear fallout horror film from, from 1983 called Threads. 
and it Lord. makes it makes the day after. You remember the day after? Remember how uh, scary the day after was? Um, mm. um, it makes the day after look like uh, you know Cinderella. Oh, and gosh. so, so I'm like, threads. He called this thing thread because literally the first thing that popped into my mind. And now again, I'm in the minority on this, but if you Google threads British movie. Mm-hmm. The imagery that will pop up will be like, wait a minute, do you listen, Zuki, 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 my man, Zuki, Zuki Bergie, do you really want to associate your, yeah. do you really <laughs> want to associate your social media app with this? So, have you looked it up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pleasant, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, literally, that was the first thing that popped into mind. Popped into my mind when I heard that the new. Twitter alternative was called Threads. That was yeah. the first thing that popped into my mind. Goodness. So. How did this do? Uh, the movie? Mm-hmm. It did very well. It did very, very well in Britain. Mm. And then it was released in America, a f- I think I want to say the next year or six months after its initial mm-hmm. release in Britain. And it did, it did well here, but it was an art house thing. Like you had to go to the art houses right. to see it. Right. Um, and it was really, and it was really fucking brutal. Like as well, you can tell just by looking at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like the British don't. They, or at least I think you know, outside of the U.S., people don't fuck around when it comes to like trying to do like gory things. Yeah, yeah. I think and they most most places like they're really gonna go for it, even. If was this like a and it was like a made for TV movie type situation in in Britain I think in it was Britain? made for TV yeah yeah and so then the it got a that, theatrical like, this release. is yeah. what they're showing yeah the thing is <laughs> I TV. don't I don't know what the timeline was but it could, because it was I believe it was the same year as the day after in America so I think what Britain did was in England they went oh. Oh, 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 you guys did your little day after? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like in Britain, you want to fucking see a, a TV movie about nuclear war? Here. And then they just blow the day after, no pun intended, out of the water with this Threads thing, which is a horrifying, graphic, nightmare-inducing movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it was before or after, but I know it was the same year because it was like, because I remember people going, yeah, the day after, that's nothing. Have you seen Threads? I remember that being a big yeah. thing. So, so yeah, the day after was in '83, November of '83. Okay, so that so maybe day after was after Threads. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, Threads was '84. Oh, Threads was okay. At so least the, the, okay on on TV British. Television. Okay, so yeah, that's what that's what happened. It was like. The Brit, the Brits went. Oh, okay, okay. You Americans think you you can make a really powerful movie about a nuclear holocaust? <laughs> Here, enjoy this shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so Zuckerberg names his his new app after that. Well, so, there you go. That's I don't know if that may, might be as uh you know trying to tell us something. Uh, yeah, that's what I see. That's the other thing though, Esmeralda. Well. Don't you think that there's some some sort of weird rich irony to that? Like. <laughs> Like this movie called Threads is kind of about the end of the world. <laughs> I, I don't know. Somehow it connects. I don't know. Oh, for sure. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, the, I don't know if Threads is available on uh, on, on on the services you have, um, but uh, I just remember it was just like horrifying. I have not. I yeah. don't even know if it's available anywhere. I really don't even know if it's. I'm, I'm uh, sure it's on you TV can watch TV. it on Tubi. Oh, you can. 
Yeah, you can. Oh. I guess you can watch it on Tubi. Um, Amazon Prime might have it. Sometimes oh, man. places will show that you can see it there, but you have to rent it. Yeah, that's. So it that's is the... available on on Amazon. Amazon and Prime though. AMC Plus. <laughs> oh, okay. You got to pay for that. AMC Plus is you, you pay. Amazon Prime and AMC Plus are I think are kind of go hand in hand. Because yeah. I have I have Amazon Plus or Amazon Prime, whatever the fuck it is. I have Prime. Um, and there are times when you go, oh, it's available on Amazon Prime, and then you click on it, and it's like that'll be five ninety nine or twelve ninety. I'm like, yeah, you have to yeah. rent it. So, uh, but I don't know. But here's the thing: I guarantee you, though, Esmeralda, that viewership of that movie is going to be on a rise because of this app. Yeah, people are just going to go, well, let's watch this movie called Threads, and then like forty five minutes in, they're like, I don't even think I want the app anymore. I, <laughs> I don't think I want anything associated with the word Threads anymore so yeah. um but anyway uh so if you if you uh if you're interested it's out there esmeralda if you okay, you have to be got it yeah yeah to to be or not to be right isn't that what mm-hmm. the, so threads god did now have you ever gone back and watched uh uh, uh, uh the day after no i have not no are you interested at all in watching movies about the end of the world do you, do you like that kind not of stuff? really no okay <laughs> I'm living it. What do we? What do I gotta yeah, watch a movie exactly. about? There's it. a lot. There's a lot of this. Ah! Yeah, you don't want that. You don't need that in your life. Yeah, I don't so. need to see the future. <laughs> the, no. the soon future. I'm like, mm, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Threads. <laughs> Let it be a surprise. Well, if you're if you're if you're uh, if you're interested uh, for for people out there, if you want the Threads app is very. If you have an Instagram thing, all you got to do is switch it over and let the fun begin, and then whatever. And then, but essentially, you look at it. It's just basically. It's Twitter. It might look yeah. it might it might look a little bit different, but it's basically Twitter. So mm-hmm. we have another we have another Twitter out there and it's named after a movie about a nuclear holocaust. So there you go. I would like to point out that the only other person who I think thought about this was Edgar Wright. Oh, well that uh, makes sense. Uh, Edgar Wright, who by the <laughs> way is the the creator of the Cornetto trilogy, uh, Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead, uh, the Hot Fuzz and the World's End, speaking of which. Uh, and he posted a poster and a picture from Thread saying, hey, uh, you see this? <laughs> and I mean, he's, yeah. He's British, though, you know. Right. So, so he's he probably saw it when it yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's only a few years. I think he's only like four or five years younger than me. He's a little bit younger than I am. And so he grew up at that time. And he's British. And so yeah. it, it was a, it was traumatizing to to the Brits that movie, <laughs> and so like I would imagine that any British person in their late forties to about their to the age of sixty uh, saw this and went, "Why the fuck is this thing called Thread?" <laughs> that would be like just getting it, traumatized right? all over again. <laughs> exactly, that would be like in America. I got an idea. Let's launch a uh, let's launch an app called The Accused. Let's let's do that. How about how about we do that? Oh my god. Yeah, or let's like the day after. My my app is called the day after. Enjoy everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know. So um, so so uh, do you have a do you have a a, a lot of uh, do you have a lot of friends uh, that use the uh, that use the apps that use the social medias? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think most of the people I know use pretty much everything. Um, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram. <laughs> Twitter, I guess, is Twitter still the big? Is that the big popular one? I mean, I'm I'm old, so Facebook is the one that I use the most because I'm an old man. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like I said because it's more tech based, so a lot of people who 
I would think, you know, are better at writing, use it more, you mm -hmm. know, comedians and jokes and all that kind of stuff probably lands better than something text-based mm -hmm. or something um, image-based. Yeah, I always, I, I enjoy, you know, you don't, you, you, you post infrequently, but when you do, it's always entertaining. And a lot of the stuff that you post, I find very either entertaining or fun because a lot of it involves food. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like when you post stuff like pictures and weird, uh, uh, like little uh, uh, gifts that you put on there. Mm hmm. Like little animated, like cats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like when you cook something and you go, hey, here's how it turned out. There's always like a cat like saying yummy or something on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a tendency to enjoy that kind of stuff. And you always put like music to it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wish that you would actually post more frequently because I find I follow I like following you on the on the uh, on the stories mm -hmm. because they're entertaining. When you post something, I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. Esmeralda posted something. It's fun. Oh, well, thank you. You should post you should post more frequently. Or maybe because it's it's a rare thing, it makes it even more special. Oh well, there, you, yeah. See, you know what I mean? Like, oh, <laughs> look at Esmeralda posted. There we go. So there you go. Hey, hey. By the way, since you were not on on Tuesday's show, mm -hmm. uh, because it was a for the people episode. Um, yes. Because the first uh, Tuesday of each month. It's very is, appropriate. Well, uh, yeah, because it was July Fourth. It actually dropped mm -hmm. on the Fourth of July. Um, my dad's joke, by the way. Uh, I, I don't even know. Uh, it, uh, let me see if I can remember it. Mm -hmm. um, because it, we would have had a field day with it. Because I was like, because I because when when you're not on, I play back my dad's joke. Oh, I'm sorry, my dad comes over. Not to break the illusion or anything, but my dad. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm he sorry. Comes over. My, my dad comes over. He does. He does this. He's a. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Getting so, in the way, Carrie. Getting Move. In the, out of the way, Carrie. So my dad <laughs> will come in and tell a joke, and the joke he told wasn't really a joke, but it was like depressing, like philosophy. Oh wow! It was so he's like, out of the pun era. I don't. Yeah, and this like went right into dark. He went right into threads, Esmeralda. Yeah. Oh boy! <laughs> That's what he went because it was like. Life is like, it was like, it wasn't even like a setup punchline. Yeah. It was like, you know, he's like, hey, dad, hey. No, here's my dad. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Right. I like, love uh, Nick's show. Right. You know, dunk, 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 dunk. Best part of the week, baby, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, uh, life is like a Rubik's Cube. It's difficult to, f to solve Wait, it's difficult. It's difficult to go through and, and impossible to solve. <laughs> All right. And that was it. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I'm. I mean, I'm laughing. So yeah. And I, you know, when I did this, I went. I don't know. If, I don't know if that deserves a <laughs> rim shot because you've he's, you know, he's going into observational comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I guess you do that when you're approaching 82. I guess you start thinking about <laughs> I guess you start thinking about how life is actually a shitty Rubik's Cube. I guess that's what, you know. <laughs> but I wanted to share that with you because you were not here on Tuesday to hear yeah. the fans, fantastic wow. philosoph philosophical joke from Nick on, uh, on, on Tuesday. I can't wait till the next uh, Oh, I, next yeah, I don't know. see what he does. I don't know where he's going to go with the next one. He can't go anywhere but up. I mean, Jesus Christ. So I or just wanted even to more down. Who or knows? even more. Yeah, who knows, man? I don't even know. I don't know. I, I, I think next time he tells a joke, I'm going to have to go. Get the fuck out of my house. I think that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to have to do. 
So anyway, have you seen the new Indiana Jonesy? I have not. No, um, I don't know if are people how do people feel about it. Uh, people like it more than the last one. The last one had the Shia LaBeouf okay. and the monkeys. Right. I don't know if you remember, they had the monkeys yeah. and the Shia LaBeouf. So people like it more than that one. And some mm-hmm. people are sort of apologetic about it because it's Indiana Jones, so they feel it necessary to like it. Right. Oh, it's, you know, it's right. nostalgic. I yeah. like it, even though it really is an actual piece of shit. Like, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, but people, for some reason, are like, no, it's fun. It's not fun. It's a terrible... I don't give a shit if it's Indiana Jones. It's it's a terrible movie. Um, And it's it's doing okay, but it's not... I mean, it's not doing the kind of money that they expected it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it costs 300 million to make. Oh goodness. And in order to make a little bit of profit, it's got to gross 900 million worldwide. And where are they at now? 60 million in America. Mm. So they got, they got a long, they got a long <laughs> way to go. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I didn't know whether you had seen it or not. I know that now has Colin, has Colin no. seen it? Cause I know he's a fan. No. And, Okay. We have not. We have not okay. gone to see it yet. Well, when you see it, let me know what you think, because I thought it was I thought it was lousy. But people do like it more than the last one. But that's not saying a lot, because mm-hmm. the last one... Did you see the last one with the monkeys and the Shia LaBeouf? I did not. Okay, you didn't I actually it. just saw the all the other ones. Oh. <laughs> so. Wait, had you not seen Raiders? Uh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. I don't really... It honestly... It, I'm very... Uh, on all those movies. They're fine. You, They're fine. But yeah. I'm not. Well, I mean, you were you hadn't seen them, so you couldn't have been ugh if you hadn't seen them. I mean, you just saw them. Well, so. I mean, I just like seeing bits and pieces and clips and things. I'm just like, eh, it's fine. I mean, it's nothing where I was like, oh, I need to go see those now. Okay. Well, so you watched what the first three then? The the. Uh yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. You, so the first one and then Temple of Doom and then the one with Sean Connery. The uh, last. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Well, my favorite. And I watched the- bits and pieces. I kind of just dropped off. The one that I like is is the one that ever, no, is Temple of Doom is my favorite. It's the second one. Mm-hmm. It's the darkest one. Like kids get punched. Like Indy beats the shit out of kids in that movie because he gets possessed by a demon and beats the shit. Out oh of right, kids. is that the one where he goes to the they they fly out of that plane? The yeah, they jump out of a plane in a in a, right. in a in a boat, an inflatable boat. And yeah, I mean that is pretty rough. I yeah. mean they they go to that village and yeah. it's like and yeah, the they took are, all our children. Yeah, and they took all the kids. Like, yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, it is. Hearts get ripped out of guys' chests while they're beating and shit. I liked it. Yeah. I liked that one the most. Pretty, and it's, yeah, pretty that dark. movie. That movie in the summer of 1984 came out at the same time as the original Gremlins, mm-hmm. and they were both rated PG. And parents were in an uproar. And so those two movies are the reason why PG-13 was invented. Oh, interesting. Because they were so graphic that people were like, you can't rate this movie PG. And they were like, well, we can't rate it R because nobody, <laughs> kids can't see it. So they invented PG-13 that summer because of Steven Spielberg. People don't think Good that. Lord. You think you think wholesome just, shit? Yeah. You know? And then Steven Spielberg is responsible because he produced Gremlins. He didn't direct it, but he produced it. Mm-hmm. So Steven Spielberg, you know, under his pr- productions, pr- released Gremlins and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and they were so dark and fucked up that they had to invent a new rating because of those movies. Good lord, I'm just amazed. It's amazing that, you know, 
ripping hearts out and doing all that and oh no we still want children to see yeah. it yeah <laughs> so they rated it pg and and good lord if it were anybody else i'm telling you right now if that movie frame for frame by frame was directed by i don't know somebody like george romero mm-hmm. it would have gotten an r but because it was spielberg they were like let's give it a pg the kids will love it you know what i mean right <laughs> and that's when they said parents were like, you can't. Re- I took my kid to see this movie. And he was trauma. Like Gremlins is a fucked up movie. Gremlins is a dark movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so and it was rated PG. And so was Temple of Doom. <laughs> and so suddenly they were like, well, we got to come up with a new. So PG-13 thir- PG was born. Summer of 1984 because of Temple of Doom. Interesting. Oh. And do you, do you know you want to know what the first PG-13 movie was ever? Was that? Red Dawn. <laughs> oh, God. Really? Yep. Huh. <laughs> the very first PG-13 movie, Red Fucking Dawn. Yeah. You want to live pissing that radiator? That's right, man. Wolverines. <laughs> so, but we can thank Steven Spielberg and Temple of Doom for the PG-13 rating. So, there you go. All right. All right. So, once again, Esmeralda, we didn't get to the topic we were going to talk No. <laughs> but you now you know uh, you can watch Threads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have these. I have options now. And which, by the way, Threads had it come out in 1984 and it was directed by Steven Spielberg would have been would have gotten a PG. I'm just telling you that right now. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> Although, All would right. they want the kids to see that? Yeah, it's a lesson. You know what man. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, would they just have would they just have made it an R because they're like kids aren't gonna go to this because yeah. i could see the indian like i get that because like, yeah because it's adventure and, and you got short round is in it you know the guy who just won the oscar mm-hmm. uh, the guy who just won the oscar for the everything and the everywhere the all at once yeah. guy Kihei Kwan. yeah him he's short round <laughs> yeah <laughs> or what's his name data he's short round in data because he's data in the other one the goonie thing mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> but i love short round it's like no time for love dr jones i love that <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway all right, well, hey, at least now uh, Threads is out there, Esmeralda. If you want to communicate on Threads, it's there for everybody. <laughs> All right. So, anyway. Uh, hey, next time, uh, Dan Feinberg is going to join us. Speaking of TV, Ooh, um, very we nice. will talk about TV. And, uh, you know, I don't know. There might be an actor strike now, too, Esmeralda. I don't know if you know about that or not. I mean, I think, honestly, they all should have gone hand in hand. But I agree. I, I, was surprised when I, and I was surprised and disappointed when the Directors Guild signed the contract. I was surprised. Uh, I thought well, for sure they would. I th- I thought they make sure a lot of money, so they do. I know, but I you'd think that they would, you know, stand by the writers because you know you can't direct anything if it's not written. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, but I feel like I, I feel like a lot directors, a lot, a majority of directors, I feel like they they think they're on a different level. Yeah. Than writers and actors and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So yeah, I could see. Well, why they would not care. Well, we'll get an update <laughs> about other people. We'll get an update from Dan on what's going on in that and the TV world and all that cool stuff. And then you and I will get to the uh, celebrity, great celebrity answers to stupid ass questions. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot of fun. And by the way, flashback weekend, Esmeralda, it's coming up in less than a month, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. August fifth, Saturday afternoon, twelve thirty, in the big ballroom at the Hyatt Regency at O'Hare. Flashbackweekend.com. Me, Esmeralda, uh, on stage together. We might actually hear. Don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So uh, join us there. Also, be a part of our podcast. Leave your voicemails and your requests for anything. And that would be 773-417-6948. Drop us an email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you want to be a sponsor on this podcast? Uh, lots of people listen. Uh, so if you got something you want to advertise, sales at radiomisfits.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs and Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits. And check us out live streaming, radiomisfits.live 24-7. Uh, and we will see you next time on the Nick D Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.